Welcome to Waypoint Church Online. It's great to be able to meet together virtually like this, but to be honest, I'm really missing meeting everyone as a church, just to say hello to people and to catch up. Um, But it is great to be able to ring around and to speak to people one-to-one and to hear uh, people in good cheer and people's struggles and to build a journey with one another. And I'm, I'm really excited that, that so many people are connecting with one another. And also that we as a, a church, our church hub is, is just feeding so many different families and making a difference in our community. Uh, a huge thank you for those who are serving, uh, those who go and help distribute and pack the food parcels. Thank you for those who are, are donating and financially giving and tithing because we, we still need to run church. And I thank you for those who are giving. Uh, I know it's difficult for, for many folks, those who are losing jobs and, and just facing that challenge of being alone and facing another three weeks of, of isolation. Um, but I'm, I'm really pleased that, that there is connection and there's a lot of that happening. So a huge thank you for those donations and gifts. A huge thank you for for those who are are phoning one another, for those who are praying for uh, people on the phone. I think it's a really powerful thing. And uh, just I want to just keep cheering you on, cheering us on as a church, because we are still God's family. You know, it's not about a building. It's about God's people. And it's great to hear when God's people are connecting up together. Um, Also, we have some uh, news to share as our church family. We can now officially share it to the world uh, that we are appointing uh, Keith Foster as a new staff member to join as the the leader of our discipleship and small groups. Um, Keith and Leslie will be joining us in September. Uh, They've announced it to their church and they'll be saying goodbyes to them. And uh, we are really excited about what God has in store because I know at the moment everything's being restricted, but God isn't restricted. God has bigger plans and there's great things to come. But back to today, if you're part of our our wider church family, you would have received an email uh, with this video link, but also some links to some playlists of some worship, because we want to just encourage each one of us to to lift our eyes and our voices to God in worship, because something happens when we worship. It opens us up to more of God and and God touches us and changes us. So I want to encourage you, whether one of our playlists or your own favorite CDs or other music, I want to encourage you to spend some time just worshiping and giving glory to God. Another way that we connect with God and, and we open ourselves up to God is when we pray. So as we, we launch into uh, this time together, I want us just to pray. So let's just pray. Father, I want to thank you that you are a God who is a good God. You give us good things. I thank you that you also promise to walk with us and be with us. But Father, right now, I want to pray that that we will just open our hearts up again to encounter more of you. Father, that we will be ready to receive, to hear the prompting of your spirit, to feel comfort or challenge or just to encounter the living God. Let this next few minutes be a time where we grow in our relationship with you and our understanding of who you are. Just come and have your way amongst us, I pray. Amen. This morning we are, or this afternoon, depending on what time you're uh, actually watching this video, uh, we're coming back to a sermon series that we started in the beginning of the year, but then we were so rudely interrupted by the coronavirus and we put a pause to it. Um, We were looking at um, the book of Ephesians. It was a, a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, 
Um, Ephesus was this uh, metropolitan city that had a lot of cultural pressures and religious and, and financial. It was a big bustling city. And it was here that God did something new and extraordinary. We read it in Acts 19, um, that, that God just moved in, in an incredible way. And the message of Jesus touched lives, impacted the city, totally transformed the city. Years later, Paul writes to this church in Ephesus, trying to encourage them and to cheer them on to say that God is not finished, that God still has new things to do in them and amongst them. And we're trying to learn from that as our church. 2,000 years later, I think God still wants us to learn some lessons from that so that we can encounter the new things of God with us. Now, if you've missed the previous sermons, uh, you can't catch them up on video, but you can catch them up on podcast. If you visit our church website um, or um, Spotify or iTunes, you can uh, hook up and listen to some of those. But this morning we have reached Ephesians chapter 6. Um, verse 10. So if you have your Bibles, can I encourage you to open them up to Ephesians chapter 6 and then to press pause and read verses 10 to 20. So Ephesians 6 verses 10 to 20. Have a read. I wonder if you've ever received an invitation for a dinner party and then at the bottom of the invitation it says dress code SMART. Now, for some people, that's very easy. You know exactly what that means. For others, it sends into a little bit of a panic. Kathy always says, um, it, it's easy for you, Mark. You just have to wear a suit. But for women, it's more complicated because what exactly does that mean? And if I'm honest, that just sounds like an excuse for a shopping expedition, which tends to happen when you have invitations like that. Back in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul has already told, already told us that we are to, to take off our old selves and put on the new things of God, the new characteristics of God, of putting on kindness and goodness and love. But here in Ephesians 6, uh, most Bibles have it entitled the armor of God, is we come across another set of clothes. And, and this isn't a case of you can choose which one you want. You know, if you're gentle and kind, you, you put on the character stuff along with the cardigan and be all nice. And if you're a bit more sort of feisty, then you put on the armour of God. It, it's not that at all. What Paul is saying is that followers of Jesus need to put on both sets of clothes. If you check out verse 10, he says to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power is put on the full armour of God so that we can resist and take, take our stand against the devil's schemes. Paul makes a really interesting connection between encountering the power of God and resisting the, the devil's schemes and plans on our lives is that we need to put on the full armour of God. Now, I just want to highlight two little parts of that phrase about the full armour of God is that we need to put on. We need to deliberately to put on ourselves this armour of God that Paul unpacks. Back in Ephesians 4, uh, verses, sorry, Ephesians 4 verses 22, 23 and 24, Paul talks about deliberately taking off our old self and putting on the things of God to, to take off lies and put on truth, to take off hatred and put on love, to take off unforgiveness and to deliberately put on forgiveness. And that's a, a real deliberate act. When it comes to the armour of God, this put on is, again, it's a deliberate act. We need to do this, is to, to put on the belt of truth, 
the truth of God that holds us together um, in our relationship with God, in our new status as citizens of the kingdom of God. We need to put on that truth, on the breastplate of righteousness to guard our heart with the rightness of God. It talks about to put on our feet uh, the the shoes with the, the gospel of peace. It's interesting it, when he's talking about a military outfit, it's actually what we are motivated is by peace, not war. It is that we're called to give the peace of the gospel. The rest of the armor talks about the, the shield of faith to be able to extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one. The helmet of salvation that holds our minds to know that we are people who belong to the kingdom of Christ because of Jesus. It also talks about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then verse 18, it says, and pray. Prayer is a part of this armor of God. It's the the walkie-talkie. Paul didn't have it in his day, but it'd be the walkie-talkie that keeps you connected with our commander and each other. Paul says, in order for us to encounter the power and the might of God and to resist the devil, is we need to put on, deliberately put on this armor to take time and put on those pieces. But then the second half says the full armor of God. I'm not sure during this isolation period whether you've gone on any walks. And uh, if you go on on a walk like us, if you go on a path, sometimes you turn a corner and you find yourself facing a very muddy path. I'm not sure if you've ever found that. And then you look down and, and sort of discovered that you are not wearing shoes that are appropriate for slogging through mud. You've sort of been caught unaware. I wonder if along our lives, if spiritually you've ever been caught unaware, a circumstance or a situation that has suddenly made you think, oh, I'm, I'm not quite spiritually ready to answer that or to deal with that. And we feel ill-equipped because we haven't put on the full armour of God. Twice it says it in verse um, 11 and in 13, it says put on the full armour of God, the complete armour of God. I think sometimes is we struggle to encounter the fullness of that power of God and and being able to resist because we aren't fully dressed, aren't fully armoured up. For example, take the, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We read in the beginning of the Gospels when Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted is each time Jesus dealt with the temptation by quoting verses, quoting the word of God. That, that the sword of the spirit and it's with those those verses that he he found strength and resisted the devil's scheme notice he didn't sort of pull out his bible and thumb through his iphone and search a certain word is those words were in his heart and in his mind he had the sword of the spirit ready to be used I think if I'm honest, so often when I face situations of temptation or or, or guilt or, or confusion, feeling abandoned is is I sometimes I have verses that are ready and sometimes I have to go and hunt through the Bible and go, oh, yeah, there's that promise. Paul is writing here to be strong in the might of God, in the power of God, is that we need the full armor of God to, to make sure that we have all those elements of truth and righteousness and, and, and that shield of faith. I wonder right now, are, are you fully armored up? Are there some pieces that you've been, you haven't really paid much attention to, or you thought, oh, I don't really need that, or that's a little bit cumbersome? I, I wanna encourage you, if you wanna encounter that full power of God, that might of, of Jesus to resist the devil is we need to put on the full armor of God. 
Paul then continues and, and he says something really interesting. He, he talks about understanding who our enemy really is. As I said a few moments earlier, is Paul was writing to a church in Ephesus. Ephesus was a, a big city, probably about a quarter of a million population. It was the center of a lot of finance where, where money is might and the rich got richer and the poor just got squashed down. It was a center of culture where there have been all sorts of ideas that have been were, were moving around and influencing. Uh, one of the seven wonders of the world was also located in Ephesus, the, the temple to Artemis. And, and thousands of people would have been going to that temple and their worship was sleeping with the, with the shrine prostitutes. So morally, it was just mucky and messy. And, and in the midst of this city that, that had that moral and finance and, and so many pressures, it was so difficult to be a follower of Jesus. And Paul is saying, we need to understand that our battle is not against flesh and blood, about, against an individual person. It's about rulers and authorities, principalities and powers that are at work around us. Now, some Christians get very excited about trying to work out, well, what's a ruler? What's an authority? What's the principality? Now, the Bible doesn't actually say much about these things because that's not what Paul was talking about. Paul wasn't saying, oh, go and find out all about this. He's saying we need to understand that there is a spiritual dimension and a spiritual battle that is around us. Just last week, we celebrated Easter, Jesus's death and his resurrection. Now, we know the physical things that happened, but there was also an incredible spiritual dimension that gave us life, that brought us forgiveness and brings us into relationship with God. It's so easy just to, to look at the practical things as the disciples did and miss the bigger thing that God was doing. I think sometimes in our everyday lives, is, is we confuse who the enemy is. We think our battle is against this person or that person, and we forget there is a bigger spiritual dimension. Uh, over the last few years, we've been working on our new building, and uh, I, had, I had many uh, conversations, shall we say, with solicitors, and got, I got very frustrated with them because of some of the things they said or didn't do or said they were going to do. And I had to keep stopping and reminding myself that our battle isn't against that particular person. But we are trying to do something that has spiritual significance that's going to impact our community and beyond. And some of these battles that we're having, there's a spiritual dimension. I need to turn my prayers from God deal with that person to God, can we have your favor? God, can you clear this way? God, we want to claim your authority in this situation. We today, we, we don't face the same pressures as those in Ephesus. Well, we do and we don't. We, we don't have a temple to Artemis and it's not probably in our face, but there are powers and pressures around us, things that are pushing us away from the kingdom of God. We still have materialism and consumerism, uh, individualism, that, that term of uh, that whole view of, of entitlement can very easily be a thing that dominates our minds and, and pulls us away. Instead of going the way of Christ is, is we're going, oh, it's the way of me. And what Paul is saying is we need to armor up and remember that anything that pulls us away from the things of God, things that our culture say are normal, which remember the people in Ephesus had a lot of things around them that said, oh, that's normal. And yet Jesus's way is different. Things in our culture that pull us away, we need to understand there is a spiritual dimension to that. Anything that, that pulls you away from 
pointing people to Jesus, from walking the way of Jesus, anything that pulls us away from from serving and giving as the way that God calls us to do, is we need to armor up and pray, God, will your kingdom come? God, I don't want to be pulled away by the the powers and the, the spiritual dimension that's against you. You know, Jesus won an amazing victory on the cross. The battle is won. However, we are still in a battle. The battle is because Jesus has not called time yet. Jesus wants us to follow him. And we need to be part of that battle and resist the devil and he will flee, it says in James. We need to understand that there is a spiritual battle. I think some of us, we need to understand that the challenges that we're facing right now with that awkward person or that awkward situation at work is there may be a spiritual battle. Now, everything is a spiritual battle, by the way. Verses 15, sorry, verse 13 says, when the day of evil comes. Some things are, are just, we need to forgive, we need to work that through. But other battles is because there's a spiritual dimension to that. And we need to be aware of that, armor up and pray. With the coronavirus that we're struggling with, it's interesting if you, if you put this, this, uh, these Bible verses to the situation, it gives us an interesting insight. Now, I'm not saying this coronavirus is from the devil, but it's interesting to see what it's stirring up. It's stirring up fear and chaos and uncertainty, which are not attributes of the kingdom of God. Now, we do need to be practical. We do need to wash our hands. We do need to do that social isolation to slow things down. They desperately need to find a virus, uh, an antidote to, to this. However, I think what this passage says is we need to put on the armor and pray and say, God, will your kingdom come? Because there is a spiritual dimension to this that we need uh, to, to win the battle on, to pray into it. I want to encourage us, church, to pray that God's kingdom will come, that God, that, that people will not be pulled away from God, but actually it may go towards God. So the, the, those values of fear and, and uncertainty, which are not kings of God, they will not dominate. But what we dominate is things of God. So we need to armor up. We need to know who our enemy is. We also need to, to remember what our objective is. And our objective is to, is to hold the ground. Four times in four verses, Paul writes to stand or to stand firm. Now, when he says this, he's not saying just hang in there. You'll be all right. What this is referring to is a military term, which is to hold the ground that you have. As we step out in faith, as we put our trust into God, is that we are taking ground away from the evil one and going towards the kingdom of God. Whether you step out of faith in in sharing your faith with your neighbor, in doing an act of kindness, in in giving, in serving, in any way, when you step out and say, God, I want to follow you. What so often happens in my experience is the enemy immediately comes and tries to take that back that ground is you get that little whisper that says, are you really sure? Or that was a bit dumb or that was a bit risky. And, and, And we have this doubt and what we can find that sometimes is if we're not armored up and ready is that we then lose the ground that we've taken. It breaks my heart when I see people take, in quotes, I'm thrilled when people take massive steps of, for, for God of faith and do incredible things. But it breaks my heart is that when rough time comes or the challenge comes is they then give up that ground. This series is, we're, we're calling it Ephesians, a new thing. 
God wants to do a new thing in us and around us and in our church and in our community. And what we need to do is we need to keep holding the ground that God has given so that we build onto that. With our help with the the area, with our food parcels and and linking with our community, my, my prayer is that we might hold this ground and build onto that when everything gets back to normal, is that we might still reach out and help those in our community. We want to hold the ground. But let's be personal for a minute. Are there some places in in your life where you've stepped out in faith and and you sort of are being under pressure now because you're thinking, well, did God really say that? Is is this really what God wants? And we have uncertainty. I want to encourage you, hold the ground. If you stepped out and shared your faith with a neighbour, I know we had some of our folks have, have gone off on your mission, but they've been sent back because of the coronavirus. I want to encourage you, hold the ground. What God has said to you, what you have done is an amazing thing. Stand firm, armor up and stand firm. And then lastly, let me just wind up. The last couple of verses of our reading talks about something really significant, and that's to pray. Now, prayer, I said earlier, is is like the walkie-talkie. I think Paul would have added this to the armor of God if they had him um, 2,000 years ago. The walkie-talkie is how you keep connected. This whole armor of God is not armor up and try hard. It's armor up and keep talking on all occasions. Pray in the spirit and keep connected to God. Keep asking God, what do you say? Will you help me? Will you guide me? Because God doesn't just send us along on our merry way. He says, I will be with you right now. He says, I am with you. But we need to pray. Prayer is just talking to God, listening to God. And he also, Paul writes, and pray for one another. Pray for all the saints because we're in this together. We're in this together with God and we're in this together with one another. The way that we see more of God's might and power, that we stand against the devil's schemes, is by armoring up, putting on the full armor of God, knowing who the real enemy is, about holding the ground that God has given us and staying connected. See, when we do that, we will see more of God. That is my prayer. Let me pray. Father, I want to thank you that you are a God who who doesn't just send us out. You're a God who equips us. I thank you, God, that you have won the victory. Jesus, your death and resurrection has won it all. But we also acknowledge that there is still a battle. The enemy is lost, but he's still trying to pull us and people away. And we want to say, Jesus, we're with you. We want to stand with you, Jesus. We want to see your kingdom come in our lives, in our families, in our communities, in those we speak to face to face or electronically. Jesus, we want your kingdom to come. Father, my prayer is that you may do something incredible in our lives and in our church and in our community. Do something new. Help us as we armor up. Help us to to be able to redirect some of those those battles that we understand is not against the individual, but God, there's a spiritual dimension. Help us to engage with that in your power and your might to hold the ground and to know you. I thank you that we're in this with you and together, Jesus. May that grow and may your kingdom come as a result. Amen. Thanks for joining me. And next week, we're going to be finishing off the letter to Ephesians. But I want to just encourage you, what's God been saying? Chat with God, chat with your small group, other friends. What has God been saying? 
and let's be expectant of more.